Hey friends, grace and peace to you today, wherever you find yourself. I am Pastor Bobby from Soma Northwest, and thanks so much for taking some time to uh, listen to our podcast for this week. We uh, have for a number of weeks been focusing on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And here over the last few weeks, we've been diving into the gifts of the Spirit. And we've been talking about these spiritual gifts as visible and vocal displays of God's power in human form so that God's people experience his love and show the world what he is like. And there are numerous gifts mentioned throughout the New Testament in several different places. And so kind of what, how we've been talking about the gifts is that because um, Paul specifically lists out different gifts in different places, that instead of being so narrow in our definition of the gifts and our understanding of how these gifts manifest themselves, um, we are to see these gifts more broadly as opportunities to love the body of Christ. That, that as believers in Jesus Christ, all believers should be loving the body of Christ. And as we are actively loving the body of Christ in different ways, some ways will become more natural to us and we will have more opportunities to love the body in specific ways. And um, we have not dug into every single specific gift that is mentioned in the New Testament. Instead, we thought we'd take some time to um, look at some gifts, at least in our circles, that we think have been misunderstood and misapplied to our church and to the gathering of the body of Christ. Um, we've looked so far at the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Last week, we talked about the gift of prophecy. And this week, we are going to take some time and look at healing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, we read in Paul's listing of the gifts, he, he, he writes to another faith by the same spirit and to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. And so that's important, that plural gifts. Uh, we're going to dive into that a little bit later. But um, in order to talk about this, uh, I want to welcome back to the podcast, our friend and yours, Dr. Pat Mayer. Uh, Pat, thanks for joining us again. Man, so happy to be it's back. To thanks, for, thanks for having me back to Soma HQ virtually. I'm digging that. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Uh, Pat, just by uh, way of a refresh, can you give us uh, just your title, what you're doing, um, your, your, your field, your special, uh, your, uh, 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 your specific work in our city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I am, uh, I'm an emergency room physician, uh, like Bobby, uh, like we talked about in the last one, I work for St. Vincent Emergency Physicians and St. VZR, I'm also the director of the 86th Street ED. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been doing that for about six years now. So have seen firsthand 
a lot of what we're walking through on the medical aspect of the COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I know when we talked um, a couple months ago now, it's hard to believe it's been that long uh, when yeah. we were just beginning to experience um, some of the um, social distancing measures and the quarantine. And uh, really a lot of us were uh, wondering where we were going to be going with this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Um, you're really on the front lines of this. You were thinking a lot about this for um, St. Vincent, and and um, and I know that you were putting in some long, stressful hours there at the beginning of this. But we are entering a a, a different phase right now here in the city of Indianapolis. Um, our city is beginning to open up a little bit more. People are coming back out into public spaces. And so just before we dive into um, our, our subject for today in this pod, um, can you give us a little bit of an update on um, you know what you're seeing as it relates to COVID-19 currently, and even just how we should be thinking through this next phase of reopening in our city. Yeah, uh, I'd be happy to. So, <clears throat> like you said, it was quite a bit of heavy lifting up front, um, and now what we've started to see is de definitely somewhat of a plateau. We're, we're still seeing obviously new cases. We're going to see new cases for year years plural oh don't really know but we we definitely are seeing the downtrend in what we what we had been so i completely agree with the reopening of you know our city of our state of our country to a degree um just in a cautious uh stepping in the waiting pool type uh not jumping in the deep end uh by all means so uh, what look kind of looking back over where we were, we got to, you know, at most about 48% of our surge capacity, uh, which meant we had 52% available to swell up to. Now, nobody wanted to get to hundred or even 90 or really even 80%, but all that to say, um, we were able to stay clear of a lot of our, our, our surge status. Um, so I completely agree with starting to get back into a little bit of normalcy. Um, and, I will be the first to say, I do not know what that looks like. Um, I don't think anybody really knows what that looks like. Um, just as we didn't know what it looked like coming into this, I think it's gotta be the same, um, you know, thoughtfulness and uh, in revisiting as it did uh, coming out of it. So, I mean, I've said before, when this first started, I remember back in January, you know, reading of this and thinking, oh, this, you know, another Asian flu, um, hope it doesn't hit to it, get to us, probably won't be that bad. Oh, it's okay, it's starting to come. Wow, this looks different. This isn't the flu, but we should still be okay. Uh, no, we need to really be distancing a little bit. Okay, uh, but I don't think, I can't believe some people are closing schools. That seems a bit much. No, we need to close schools. I can't believe we haven't done this yet. Now we need to be completely shut in. So really coming this full circle um, uh, as we get more information and learn more of it. And I think coming out is going to be that same thing. Right now, I'm very much for, um, you know, starting to get back out in public and starting to reopen some of the businesses. Um, but I don't know what that looks like for me and my family. Like I've said, I can give sociologic recommendations, but not psychologic. I can give people group, but not personal. Um, I think it's all going to be uh, related to the person. So what does it look like for me and my family is probably different from what it looks like from you and yours. Um, but I think 
having the thoughtfulness that we had throughout the entire first few months of this of saying um, this the, there it's more important than just myself that there are people to care for and love for and let, how can we do this in a caring and loving way right the, the worst possible way is to rip the band-aid off and just go right back to normal um, I am very fine with let's go back to restaurants and let's do some things but knowing that once we hit some triggers that we have set up uh, that we can peel back and kind of step back into a little bit of a distanced area uh, so what we're seeing right now in the hospital um, still seeing new cases unfortunately still having people die but not with the same that, that curve isn't as steep as what it once was and so yeah you know me and my family still haven't gone out to a restaurant um i have no desire to go to a movie theater or sporting event you know that will change you know i'm not going to do this for the rest of my life but i don't know what that looks like and i think a giving people the freedom to do that is, is an important thing giving people the grace to say that my decision is not your decision and, and vice versa, that, you know, if I see someone else out doing something to not cast judgment and come from a morally superior ground, right, or an ethically superior ground and look how much better and holier I am because I'm, you know, staying in. Um, I definitely think there are wrong ways to go out and be out in the world. Um, but I think just being full of grace is, is the way we do this. In terms of practical issues, I still think you social distance wherever you can. Um, the good thing is, as summer's coming upon us, outside tends to be safe. Um, basically, there's really been only one outbreak linked in the world to an outdoor event. And so we're seeing outdoor things are safe, especially with social distancing and, and acting. Pools, we'll see how that goes. Chlorine kills um, uh, coronavirus. So that seems to be somewhat safer or chlorinated pools seems to be safer. So I, I, I have hope that some of our summer activities kind of come back to a little bit of normalcy. Uh, to a degree. We wear masks out everywhere we go. Well, yeah, every, anytime we're inside, um, we're, we're wearing masks as a family. And I think, again, this kind of comes back to what we talked about on the last pod, right? The masks don't protect you as much as they protect other people. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Uh, maybe you've seen some of the likings to masks as underwear on some of the social media things, right? If, if, if I wear underwear and you don't, I can still get dirty by your, uh, <laughs> by your doings. But if you wear underwear and I wear underwear, we both stay pretty clean. So kind of having it a similar type of thing, uh, of, it's a societal help if you're wearing the mask. So we wear them when we're out. If I see somebody not wearing a mask though, give grace right? and, 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 and just still be loving, I think is the biggest thing. Tensions I think are, are still high from all this. And so that's what I see a lot of, of just judgment and kind of uh, thought highly thinking of oneself. So I think my recommendations of going forward from a practical aspect, you know, wear a mask, social distance where you can. Um, if you're sick, stay home, all the stuff we've been saying. Um, but the biggest thing is give grace coming out of this and a decision made today, if it's changed next week, um, is that doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It's the right thing at the right time with the right information that you have. And so we'll continue to update. We as a medical community, we'll continue to update and give it as we can, but knowing that no one really knows. Um, and this is just, like I said, a waiting pool, not a deep end. It's good to be discerning. It's good to, to move forward with wisdom, especially in the face of, of something that none of us, even experts, don't fully understand. 
and can't fully predict. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think even as a church, um, you know, for those of you listening, you know, as we as we are making decisions about what our our church life looks like over the next few months, and even as we're kind of coming out of summer and into the fall, um, that's why you know we're not making these decisions in a vacuum. But Pat and others are are helping us as church leaders lead our organization and our sphere of influence in a wise way that um, helps others and and uh, seeks the good of others. And we want to be good neighbors. We want to be good citizens. Um, and uh, all of that plays in. So, so yeah, Pat, thanks for, thanks for that update. Yeah. And thanks for helping us to this point, make some of those decisions and, and help us think through uh, how we should be making decisions as a church. Yeah. And just to kind of add one last thing in terms of our church body and our church gatherings, um, just uh, grace to our leaders <laughs> in our church as well and making these decisions. I think when you look on the news, you see different churches already meeting and already doing things in person. Please know that at every study looked at the transmissibility of COVID, one of the biggest ways of transmissibility is through singing. <laughs> and so those deep, you know, <laughs> blowings out of air uh, goes way beyond six feet. And so, I, I don't know, I just still say grace to our pastors as they lead us through this, um, that again, this is, this is not done out of a place of fear, but um, uh, churches and uh, religious functions have been, hands down, some of the biggest areas of spreading uh, of outbreaks. So not to say we can't ever meet again, but just again, grace that thanks for leading us wisely in this. Yeah, and, and we're going to get into this. I mean, this is a great transition into to what we're going to talk about here uh, in terms of healing. But we do live in this, and and I think it's 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 good for us to 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 hold both our faith in God and our trust in in His protection and His power to heal um, and to to keep us from sickness and and illness while also and 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 also being responsible uh and and listening to people and and doing things that are good and um you know that that is something i think inherently to 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 being human is uh both understanding our relationship to god and our relationship to others you know it's not rocket science and so we 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 hold both of those as being true things. Um, so as we get into our discussion here about healing, um, really what we want to do is um, we want to start in the scriptures and we want to see what, where, where, where is healing evident and even specifically in the life of Jesus. Uh, that was a huge part of Jesus's ministry while he was here on earth. Um, and then we want to begin to, to, to dig down a little bit deeper and kind of narrow our discussion and, and talk more about what this, what this looks like in our own lives, in the life of our church. Um, and, uh, you know, as with all of these things, you know, this is something from the outset that we've said, like, um, we are people who believe that the spirit of God is at work, that his power and his presence are here, and that he is um, moving 
in very, very significant ways and will continue to move in very significant ways. And so it's incumbent upon us to be aware and to be attentive of what the spirit is doing and how he wants to work within our body. But um, I want to start here and, and, and talk a little bit because I think it's important to understand just the broader context of uh, where we live, um, the air that we breathe. And, you know, without getting too meta and, and philosophical here, I think it's very important that we talk about um, our, our Western plausibility structure, you know, that we live in. What, what does our culture and our society at large believe is possible? And I would say on the whole, we live in a society that tends to dismiss the miraculous in favor of what we can see right before our eyes and understand, you know, um, post-enlightenment, modern people, um, we, we tend to see this world as a disenchanted world, supernatural be beings, bigger uh, meta goals or intentions are, are almost impossible. Final causes are eliminated. There, there is a, a loss or maybe a dismissal of kind of a greater cosmic order. So that means that everything that is really important is this worldly, uh, that it's explicable on its own terms, that it fits within the time, space, energy, matter, dimensions. And I think that this is really important as we talk about our relationship to healing, because the possibility of healing for our society really is only determined by scientific and medical professionals, pharmaceuticals, diet. So everything that we can see, that we can have a, have a, have a sense of control over here in this world. And only when all of those resources have come up short, uh, when things have deteriorated beyond what medical treatment can offer, do people tend to resort to the possibility of healing through prayer and healing through other means outside of what we can see and touch and, and taste and, and feel? Um, Pat, as somebody who obviously has been trained uh, in all of these <clears throat> ways to deal with the body, to be able to di diagnose disease and illness, and then uh, treat that. And also being a man who believes in the miraculous and the supernatural, how do you operate within this world? And, and where, do you, uh, where do you sense and, and encounter that tension the most? Yeah, I, I think it's interesting being in medicine and being, you know, science minded or, or what have you, and just being around a lot of other physicians, I would think that our profession should actually have some of the greatest faith and some of the greatest humility for the unexplained, where it tends not to be the case. So uh, like, like you said earlier, our society, you know, ancient society, biblical society is kind of thought it, they, they were 
accepting of more miraculous things. And I think we, as you know, the modern elitists tend to look at them like, well, that's just because they were dumb, right? They were superstitious and they were uneducated and they didn't understand the nature of things, right? They, they didn't understand how cells work and they didn't understand um, the way real diseases worked with anything. But, but you know, Lewis, C.S. Lewis talks about this in, in his book on miracles where he talks about even, even they knew that, you know, a woman doesn't get pregnant unless she lays with a man or that dead people don't just rise from the dead or people that are blind don't just immediately see. There are things that even in their maybe not as scientific minds took for miracles in the same way that, that, that we should. And so I think it's interesting. Like for me, it, it, it makes it so much easier to deal with any of this tension because I believe, because I know that there is something outside of this natural world. I see the natural way things should be, right? I can understand them down to a, you know, a biochemical level uh, in, in a lot of respects. And when things just don't add up, right? When the cancer is gone, when the baby is healed, when um, the, the person starts to breathe, when that happens, it doesn't make sense. The only way it makes sense is there's something outside of the natural order of things. And that, that and it, we believe that to be God. And so I, I just think it's interesting from our standpoint uh, as a medical community that we, we are quick to explain every single thing as there's a reason and there's logic. And when it doesn't add up, we just say, well, I don't know. I guess there's just stuff about the body that we don't really understand. And certainly that's the case. But I, I find it, you know, full of hubris and a lack of humility uh, that, we, that we can't say, no, there's a reason <laughs> we will never understand this. This is, this is because the natural order of things was set aside, that, that a miracle occurred, that, that the, the way things have always been and have always acted was, was changed. And, and that, that's from God stepping in. And so, you know, I, I think that's one of it. And in terms of, you know, the other thing, when we, we, how does our society think of healing? One of the things I, I hope to take away, you know, after this pod is, is, to, is to look at things and say, when we think of healing, I think we oftentimes just think of it in a, in a one dimensional aspect that when we think of healing, it's a physical thing that happens, right? Um, but if you read the gospel, even the Old Testament, there it's not just a physical thing that occurs. Healing occurs in the spiritual. Healing occurs emotionally. You know, Jesus cures people of demonic possession. That's another form of healing. And so we tend to think and see healing as just a physical thing. Like my arm is broken and now suddenly it's better, or I had a cancer and I prayed and it's gone, right? And that is certainly a realm of it. But I think when we don't understand and, 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 and accept that there are other modes of healing, I think we rob God of some of the praise that he is due from some of the, from the other healings that he does, um, you know, because we are spiritual beings. I think rarely does physical healing occur without a spiritual healing. And so one, you know, in the New Testament, right, the word for healing is the same as the word for salvation. It's sozo. To sozo someone, when Jesus sozoed somebody of leprosy, he also would, in later times, sozo their soul. They were saved from that. And it, it's because you can't often, they're, they're, they're linked. Um, you, you can't, they're not mutually exclusive to heal physically is oftentimes heal spiritually. And so I, I think most recently in our church's, you know, experience with healing, I think everyone would point to SJ. Um, and then when Steve and Tasia got up and spoke before our church, this beautiful story 
that Steve tells that as he's praying for SJ and, and begging God to, 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 to save him, um, it's, it's God does a healing work in Steve first, right? So he heals him spiritually and emotionally, and then SJ is healed. And so by no means am I saying like, God didn't make SJ sick, so Steve would do this, right? Jesus never makes anybody sick in the gospels and then just to heal them and praise his name. That's not what he does, but he most certainly used that. There was physical healing, but in that physical healing, there's spiritual healing that comes as well. And, and so I just, what I hope, you know, after, after we end with this, that somebody that people get away is just, um, we have a narrow mind of what healing is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we have a narrow mind of what healing is because we have a narrow mind, uh, as far as what, as who human beings are, um, and what it means to be human. And I think that that's exactly. why, and it, as we're going to see here in a moment in, in the scriptures, that's why, you know, the, the scriptures has had this more holistic, um, they present a more holistic view of what it means to be human, that we are body and spirit, that we are multifaceted people and that we're not divided people. And, and I think that we tend to split off different parts of, of who we are and compartmentalize who we are instead of taking into account that all of, you know, our, our mind, our, our body, our spirit, um, without one of those things, we cease to be human. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, and, and we're not, that's not who we are and who we are created to, to be and how we're created to live. And so when we miss that, then we, then we, we can't, we have a hard time understanding that, you know, what I'm experiencing as far as pain or disease in my body, yes, that's a physical, that's something physical that requires a, a, a physical remedy, but that's also indicative of a, the bigger problem of evil, that yeah. evil is not just a spiritual thing. Evil is not just a mental thing, but evil is also a physical thing. And we experience the, the evil um, and sin and death have invaded all of our lives, all of this world, and it has touched everything. And so to just separate everything out is to deny that reality, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, like you said, we'll kind of talk about this later. And I've certainly seen this play out. I really see this play out almost in daily aspect of just the emotional causing physical, right? But, um, you know, C.S. Lewis says we're amphibians, we're half spirit, half animal, right? If we're, we're not just body if we're just body that's an animal we're not just spirit that's an angel we are both both and right so we are we are both spiritual and and uh, animal are both physical and spiritual and so it, it's just i mean like i said we'll, we'll we'll get into this a little bit later but that is clearly uh where healing takes place not in the unidimensional aspect yeah yeah definitely and and so when we look in the scriptures i mean healing is everywhere I mean, healing is from from cover to cover. There are all manner of healings that are that are happening, and uh, different people who are doing it, different methods that are used, uh, different uh, diseases and illnesses and and maladies that are that are being addressed. I mean, it's just it's constant. It's a book 
that is full of stories of people being healed. And it's not hard to discern that the people of the Bible believed in miracles. Uh, they believed that the miraculous was a common occurrence. They were open to God's power to heal, and, and they experienced that power over and over and over again. Um, and, and I think that, you know, uh, again, like we could go to so many different places, but even focusing, just specifically focusing on the life of Jesus, we see Jesus in Matthew chapter four, when Matthew is describing um, really the, the, the crux of Jesus's messianic ministry. It's teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. I mean, that's demon possession, leprosy, paralysis, fever, blindness, the inability of speak, the inability to speak, not to mention that Jesus raised people from the dead, which is probably the best kind of healing that anyone can experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, that I, I think sometimes that gets lost on us, that that is such a huge part of Jesus's ministry. Yeah, I mean, from the from the beginning, right? So um, even before Jesus, I mean, God is a God of healing, right? He's Jehovah Rapha. He, he is the name he calls himself. He's a God that heals. And so it makes sense from the very beginning of time, Jesus is just, is not just, but Jesus is, um, you know, God's fulfillment to the promise that he is a God who heals. And so, you know, 40% of the gospel stories are over different healing. And so I, I like, you know, just Matthew, uh, in Matthew 9, a little bit later. So Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the, king, of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because he was they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. And he called to him 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every affliction. That is who Christ is. Time and time again, he is moved to heal. He sees that and, 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 and wants to make that right. He wants to bring his kingdom down. That, that is, and so he wants us to experience that. He is a God. And I think we undersell that, you know, a lot of times um, in the Christian church. Uh, we, we pray for healing, but like you said, it tends to be as kind of a last ditch, ep ditch effort. You know, we've tried everything else and, well, I guess I can pray and, you know, it, but it's meek, right? <laughs> you know, it's just, Lord, maybe if you can possibly do this, if you don't mind, just please hear my brother Bobby. And if you don't, that's fine. We'll move on and we'll, we'll get with it. But no, God, we just want to make sure we, we do some God. PR work for God, right? Like we want to make sure we <laughs> right, don't, exactly. we don't we want to make sure. The blows. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we know you can heal God, but hey, just in case you don't, you know, we, we want to make sure yeah. that you're, that I you're got covered. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we don't pray with this boldness that, that, that he, he, uh, he, he healed every disease and every affliction and he gave his, uh, the, uh, disciples authority to heal every disease and every affliction. We did. And I just, we just, don't expect it. And so, yeah, we, we, we qualify it, like you said. Yeah. And it, it, that, 
that's really important though, that the healing was not just Jesus's power, but that he empowered his disciples and then sent them out. And even after Jesus ascended to heaven, this was still a huge part. If you read through the book of Acts, it was a huge part of the ministry of the apostles. I mean, I, that I love, <laughs> I love the story that, you know, Peter was healing so many people by himself. Like he was the, that God had empowered him and he was healing so many people that the sick were being brought into the street when people heard that, that Peter was passing through just so his shadow could maybe fall on them and they could be. Yeah, that's some next level doctoring. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I have not, not yeah. yeah, you know, I, I live very close to where you work and I have not yet seen the line of people outside the ER just waiting <laughs> for you to show up to work so you yeah. can pass I'm going to prescribe you some shadow. <laughs> just some shadow to you. Shadow right, upon right. you. <laughs> right. Take two shadows for a week and then give me a call. <laughs> Um, but even, but, about, you know, yeah. we think about the, think about Paul, like one of the first things that we, we see about Paul is that, that God struck him blind and then, and then enabled this man named Ananias to heal Paul and his eyesight be restored through Ananias's prayers. Paul himself healed and, and cast out demons. So this is, this is, this is an aspect of the ministry of Jesus and his church that cannot be denied and cannot be downplayed. Yeah. That is a very, very important part of, as you said, God's kingdom coming and his will being done here as it, as it is in heaven. Right. I mean, if we describe and define the spiritual gifts as a manifestation of the spirit and that's born out of love, right? It not only makes sense that when Christ ascended, we as his people and as his body um, can bear out his love by healing, right? And so that's only, that, that makes, it's just kind of linear thinking. He loves us. <laughs> um, we have the spirit. He loves to heal. We can show love by healing. So yeah, this is, this is not something that only rested upon him, but all his, uh, on his disciples and on us today. That, um, that is part of you know, our kingdom work as a church uh, is, is to in engage in this healing. And I think it's, it's very important for us to also acknowledge that God heals. Sometimes God chooses not to heal, right? I mean, um, yeah. we see that as well um, in the scriptures. And um, I think this plays into our understanding of the already and not yet of God's kingdom, yeah. um, that we live in this, you know, in between, or we live in the meantime, where we're seeing glimpses of the kingdom of God. Um, we're seeing people healed. We're seeing um, people revived uh, who were thought dead. 
Um, we're seeing some of these miraculous things. And yet at the same time, we still have tears, we still have sickness, we still have death, and we're in this, this in-between. And so, you know, for you, and, I, and I've talked to you enough to know that this is, this is true for you, I mean, you see people healed and people die within minutes of each other. How do you live, how do you as a physician live in, the, in this reality? This man seeing the power of God and then a few minutes later seeing the power of death. Yeah. Um, so I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier. Um, being a believer is what makes it tolerable, <laughs> what makes it easier, if, if you will. So, like, right, if the kingdom is, is already and not yet or here and not yet, then everything in the kingdom has to be as well, right? And so justice, right? We see justice happen now, and we see justice go unpunished and, and, uh, and just reunion not happen, right? And so we see the same thing with, uh, with healing. We see people healed, and then we heal, see people die. And I don't know why some are answered and some are not, um, but we live in that tension. That's what we are in the meantime, like you said, and that's hard. So with my job, not to over dramatize what I do, but that's where I live in a daily basis, right? I see people healed. So I see the kingdom now. And then I go to the next room and I see people die. I see the not yet. Um, and, and so that's just a hard tension to live in, but it's nice that I continue to, to be in that, right? And so, but it's, 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 it's very difficult uh, to, to shelve a death, to see a death that shouldn't have been and just kind of put it on the shelf and be able to go about my way into the next room. And a lot of that is just putting it on pause, unpacking it with Jen <laughs> later on at the end of my shift uh, or at the end of my day with her um, to kind of process through it. But as I was kind of, thinking through this podcast and in preparation for it, I think it's a really beautiful place that I get to be in my job. It's difficult, but it's a constant reminder that we are in the present right now, that we get to see God bring his kingdom down, that we get to see him as a God that is not distant. He's a God that can be moved. He is not static. We can pray and he is moved. He is a God that breaks through and he is a God that heals us but the world is, isn't made whole yet. And so I, I, of course, there's still sickness occurring. Um, and so for me, how do I deal with it? It's like when a patient dies, every doctor goes inside or every caregiver goes inside themselves to think like, what went wrong? What, what skill did I mess up? What, what was my miss? What was my mistake? What, how, what happened? What did I do that caused this person to pass? Um, and some just don't come back from that. EM physicians specifically, right, commit suicide more than most any other profession that there is. And, and if you can't have that kingdom view that the healing isn't my doing, right, that's the kingdom come down. That's not what I'm doing. Um, that if the healing isn't what I'm do uh, my doing, then the death is not my doing as well. And then if you can't have that view and you only identify yourself as a healer, uh, then, then what happens when the world 
sets in <laughs> and sickness and death reign. And I just say, thank you, Jesus, um, that I have so much less control than I actually think I do. So that reality is, is, is just everything to me as playing out my part in the healing. I, I, I play a part, but I'm not the writer. Right. And so that's a, that's an important description that, um, uh, that I, I live out. Thank God um, that is not me healing. So I don't, I'm not responsible for that death. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but praise God that, praise God that, you know, that we have people who are skilled uh, and know how to diagnose, know how to treat, know how to jump in an emergency situation and save someone who otherwise would would die. I mean, praise God that we have medicine and pharmaceuticals that um, have helped eradicate major, major plagues and diseases and afflictions that killed, you know, hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. Um, and so I think that, yeah, like there, what we're often in danger of doing when we have these conversations and, and, uh, I think this becomes, we, it's, it's a casualty of, of our, our culture war moment is that we, we split, you know, science and faith from each other. And we, we want to take one and not the other. We want to elevate one um, to the expense of the other, at the expense of the other. And so as somebody who, you know, is good friends with, with a physician uh, who lives in a community, uh, church community with a number of healthcare professionals, who has um, a dad who is whose body is experiencing the effects of cancer and has is being cared for and treated um, as someone who uh, you know regularly interacts with people who are sick and in the hospital. I'm very very thankful that we have a healthcare system. Uh, I'm very thankful that we don't live in the the middle ages mm-hmm. um, and that people are dying but you know we we also are people of faith and we understand you know the role of faith when it comes to to healing and i think you know that's why you, when you look in the scriptures there is an emphasis that is placed there is a relationship between faith uh and healing um mm. you know throughout the gospels we see faith demonstrated in different ways we see the faith of the person needing healing being instrumental. Other times we see the faith of family and friends on behalf of their loved ones who are in need of healing. And then other times we faith seems to play no part at all. On some occasions we see uh, God just healing unrelated to anything in that person's life or anything uh, unrelated to to that person's faith. Uh, But in the vast majority of cases in Jesus's life, uh, he healed because of someone's faith. 
And we see that in Jairus' daughter in Mark 5, the 10 lepers who are healed and one comes back in Luke 17 and Jesus tells him, your faith has made you well. Uh, blind Bartimaeus, the, the paralytics, friends, as they lower him down mm -hmm. uh, through the ceiling. So Pat, what, why is faith so important to Jesus? Why is it that he commends people so often um, for their faith while he, he brings his power to heal, to bear in their lives. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting kind of how you talked initially of, of the split between um, science and, and faith or, or, or um, yeah, uh, it, you know, you go back in the ancient days, you know, the medieval times, the, the person you went to for healing was the person that you went to for science like they were they were connected the person who was the learned individual right the um uh the monks of the time those were the people with it all and then during time of enlightenment they started to split off and say okay we're going to give the, these intellectuals and these scientists things of medicine and we're only going to give things of god to to the, the church and, they, and there was this schism that happened and that's just continued to uh, further during our time where we, we look at them as completely different aspects, but they've always been meant to be one, right? There is, the, these have always been tied together. Faith and healing um, have always been one. And so when I look at it, it's like, why was it important? It has to have, faith has to have a central role in it. It's not when Jesus looked at these people and when Jesus healed, it wasn't that he was just, you know, Oh, he just felt bad for the crippled guy, right? It wasn't that he just wanted to extend a little bit of mercy. It wasn't um, Jesus wanting to get his name out there and be this, uh, hey, look what I can do type of thing. It was his undoing of the curse. It's God's constant way from the beginning to rewrite the actions that, that humans have played out. And so it was him bringing down his kingdom. It was him giving us a glimpse of, hey, this is what I meant it to be, um, and so it's, you know, like we said before, it's temporarily suspending what nature is. It's reversing what's come to pass. You know, this disease does this. It's going to do this, but we turned it around. And, we, and, and God stepped in and he stopped what was happening. And that's a, that, that's a miracle. That, that, that nature stopping doing what it's doing and changing its course is a miracle, right? So it's a glimpse of the kingdom he, he will make for us. But it, that kingdom is for those who believe. It's for his people who have faith. It's only them that will partake in this. It doesn't make sense anytime otherwise, right? So if you live a life away from God uh, and away from belief that he knows what's best and that he wants what's best for you, then you really probably don't want an eternity with him either, right? If you constantly make choices that are away from that and say, that's not what I want here, and I don't want that life of faith, then you probably don't want the kingdom that he has prepared for us. So it only adds up to me that experiencing the kingdom now would be tied to someone's faith that there's still a kingdom to come. And so to me, faith, faith is paramount to it. And right. It doesn't mean that if you're, if you're seeking healing and you don't get it, it doesn't mean that you have faith, right? That's not what, I, what I'm saying. It's not a, it's not a linear equation that, that you can just reverse and say, well, if I didn't get it, therefore I didn't have enough faith, right? Um, New Jerusalem isn't here yet. There's, there's still, we still live in this current world. Um, so not everything's restored. People will be healed and people will die. But healing, it always seems to be tied to, to faith of things we've spoken of. 
I love one of the stories that has has become really dear to me uh, in in the Old Testament is the story of Naaman um, and Naaman, who was uh, a powerful military general, uh, comes down with leprosy. Nobody can cure it. Um, he hears of uh, from this servant girl who uh, this this Israelite servant that he has because he invaded Israel and took them took you know defeated them conquered them took took them this girl and her family back yeah. but he hears from this girl hey there's this prophet that you should go see uh, this person in Israel that you should go see because he can heal you so Naaman goes uh, he thinks he's he he goes to uh, the palace uh, in and and because he's like, well, you know, this guy must be royalty, must be a king. Um, I'm super important, so this must be the person that I need to go to. Uh, it's they tell him no. It's actually this this poor prophet out here. <laughs> um, but but anyway, I, I I don't need to retell the whole story. But the thing that the thing that is that I think is super powerful about the story is that. Naaman is told to go and wash himself in the river. Um, he's told to go and wash himself, and that will bring about his healing. And at first, he's resistant to that because he's like, man, I, I'm an important man. You know, I, I, I am not going to go wash in some river. And, and there's a ton of doubt. There's a ton of pride and self-sufficiency there. But it's after he finally realizes okay, this is what I need to do, that he goes and, and washes in the river and he is healed. And I think that what that story, I mean, there's a, there's a ton of different things that you can pull from this, from this encounter, but it shows this move away from self-reliance to a dependence on God. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's what, uh, why Jesus affirms people's faith over and over again because they're saying, I cannot do this. Only you can do this. You know, and that's what people tell him over and over and over again. We believe you can do this. We believe that you can heal. We believe that you can just say the word. You don't even have to be there in person, but you can say the word and you can heal. Um, and, and, and I think that, that, that f faith in any circumstance but especially when it comes to our need for healing, magnifies the power and the mercy of God. Because we realize that in and of ourselves, we've exhausted all of our options. <laughs> yeah. um, and hopefully it doesn't come to that. And, you know, hopefully it, it doesn't take that for us to exercise faith. But when we when we come to God in faith and when we ask for healing for ourselves or on behalf of other people, we are saying, we believe that you have the power to do this because you are God. And that's why we need to think of healing um, and, and understand that healing is a gift of God, that it's not our right. Um, we believe that God can heal, that God wants to heal, and that God does heal. But also we recognize that when God chooses to heal is not up to us. As you said, it's not a formula. 
you know, do this, this, and this, and, and you can be guaranteed healing. Um, God sees what we don't see, and he has purposes that are beyond our understanding. And so that's what, that's what you know, this conversation around faith so often gets, gets very human-centered and the, the strength of our faith. You know, our faith, is our faith strong enough? Well, that's not really the point. Our faith doesn't have any power in and of itself. Right. The faith is significant because it, of the role that it plays in relating us to God. It's the object of our faith, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what makes our faith powerful is that we are putting ourselves in the hands of Almighty God. So let's bring this down a little bit here, specifically uh, for the rest of our time, to the gift of healing, or I should say the gifts of healings. Uh, in First Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 12, verses 9 and verses 20, verse 28, the words there are both plural. Um, I think some of our translations have have moved away from translating it the gift of healing to gifts of healing, but actually the word healing is plural as well. Um, and I think that that's significant because I think what's being communicated and conveyed here is that there is not one gift of healing for all time, for all people, and for all diseases. There are different powers to heal, each one appropriate to uh, its related illness. Each occurrence of healing uh, is a distinct gift in and of its own right. So yeah, I mean, Pat, what do you think about that? How does that strike you? Is that different even from what your understanding of healing has been? Yeah, I'll be honest. When I had read that in the past, I read over the S, right? <laughs> and so I just, <laughs> as you're reading through, it just kind of blurs together. And then you, you, you take a second and you point that out and it makes com- complete sense on that. And again, calling back to what we spoke of earlier, uh, there's different not only, I don't view this as there's a gift of healing for a broken toe and a broken finger and a broken arm, right? It's, there's, there's physical healings and there's spiritual and there's emotional and there's demonic and there's, so there's different, multiple different aspects of healing that people are going to be responsible for in our, in our church body to, to, and have different gifts for. I think there are definitely, you know, you, you combine this just with discernment of spirits, right? And later on, and I think you have people that are going to have different uh, avenues and different bins to, to say, yeah, this is just, this is where my, my kind of, uh, I, I sense the Lord using me to love other people through this different type of healing. And so um, it lets us pray more specifically for things in this um, and less just globally of just heal whatever um, might be going on, just heal this entire person. But I think it lets us get to say, hey, this person needs healing for their knee pain, but also for their lack of forgiveness to their brother, right? Or some other, there's multiple uh, aspects of, of healing that need to be done. And so it only makes sense that, yeah, it's plural, it's gifts. Yeah. And, and you know, I, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I, I've been struggling with back pain, uh, just chronic, debilitating back pain. And, you know, we, I pray for that person and 
God brings healing into our lives, that doesn't mean that every person who has back pain, I can heal, you know, right. and I can pray for their healing and that will happen. And, and this is, you know, this gets to the larger um, idea of the gifts is that these things play out in so many different ways, because as we need to be reminded, the spirit gives these gifts as he determines. Mm -hmm. And we don't know why the spirit does what he does all the time or when he chooses to move or how he manifests the, the power of God in our lives in different ways and in different times. Um, but what we do know is that all of these gifts are to be practiced in love so that the body of Christ can be built up, regardless of when it happens and how it happens and for whom it happens, they are to be done in love and practiced in love. And I think, you know, this could look like, you know, as you said, being very, very specific um, in our prayers being very specific for specific people. And uh, it could look at look like a person who is gifted to pray for many people, but not all people, you know? Uh, another gifted to heal only one person at a particular time, and, and maybe that doesn't happen again. And I think we, we, have to, we have to be open to how the Spirit chooses to heal who he chooses to heal and through whom he chooses to heal. One specific thing, uh, one specific instance or, or um, uh, exhortation in the book of James, I think is, is significant here to mention that James calls on those who are sick to come before the elders and for the elders of that church to anoint them with oil, which was, you know, uh, kind of a, a, a symbolic way of setting that person apart for God's mercy and for God's help, and then to pray over that person for their healing. And Pat, I knew we mentioned this a little bit um, here in your in some of your notes, but James very specifically connects physical sickness here to sin. And he says, you know, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, he's so quick to, you know, this whole thing is, is anointing the, you know, anointing oil in the name of the Lord and pray. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Awesome. But there's a period, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And that's just, oh, I did, where did that come from? Like, that's not, <laughs> I'm not set up to, to get my, my back pain fixed. Why is this, why is there just talk of sin here? Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's a seemingly conditional aspect. I mean, even going back to what we talked about at the beginning with Jehovah Rapha, like even one of it, the first time he calls himself healer, he sets it up with when, the Lord back in Exodus, where he makes the bitter waters sweet. He says, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord, your healer, or I am Jehovah Rapha. Right. And so even at the time there, there's this seeming expectation that if the, if the spirit is going to work, 
you need to have a right <laughs> um, spirit, I guess, if you uh, how we would call spirit, or a right heart and a right posture towards things. That if you want the kingdom now, I think there needs to be a preparation done for that kingdom to be shown, right? And so that means if if you have a heart that's bitter and full of resentment, or if you have, you know, issues with your brother, or if you've committed these sins and you just need healing of uh, of your, if you need healing, first you, you you need healing of your soul. First you need healing of your spirit, and so that only comes through confession or. You know, in Exodus time, this is, you know, obviously pre-Jesus. This is following all his commandments. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those. So this is coming and claiming, you know, his, your righteousness, your standing in front of God in his name. Like we always say in his name, you are, you are praying in his name. You are praying with his, with his entry, with his access card is what you're, what you're praying um, for forgiveness of sins. And so you are praying uh, for that first for a readiness of your heart. And in doing that, then you experience kingdom healing. And so this is, this is again, uh, a multidimensional aspect that, that they're con- they are connected and they are linked together. Yeah, that's really good. Is every mental, emotional, physical illness connected and rooted in sin? No, it's not. But some can be and i think that that's where you're right there needs to be on the part of someone who is suffering not just related to the illness but in their life in general there needs to be an awareness and a sensitivity to the spirit of what the spirit is uncovering and wants to bring out and and is exposing and i think for us you know we also need to have discernment uh, we need to have discernment in someone's life to understand um, where this could be at play. But he, but I, I want to move a little further on into that passage where, again, you know, James is talking about the prayer of faith and its effectiveness in bringing about God's healing. And he offers up the example of Elijah uh, who prayed for rain during a drought, and God gave rain. And so you would think, okay, well, then that means that only spiritual people, super spiritual people, like a prophet, can pray for someone's healing, and only those people can be effective in their prayers for someone healing, for someone's healing. But that's not the point that James is making. He's actually making the opposite point because in verse 16, after he says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so you may be healed. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And so what James is saying here is that the the gift of healing is not limited to a pastor, a prophet, uh, someone who is considered to be a super spiritual person. The gift of healing isn't even limited to a trained medical professional. Yes. 
Yes. Elijah was a human being, <laughs> just as we are, and he prayed. So the emphasis here is James, uh, that James is making is that the prayer from a righteous person, someone who believes God and is walking with God, no matter what their position is, no matter what their training is, that that prayer is powerful and it is effective. And you and I were talking about this before we hit record of, you know, just because you're a doctor, does that mean that you have the gift of healing? And so I, I want you to share a little bit of that thought process with our listeners. How do you see your training and your experience um, as a physician connecting here to the prayer of a righteous man being powerful and effective for someone's healing. Yeah, I mean, as we were saying before, I, I have seen healing happen, and I have seen me be an instrument in that healing. But when I when I think of this, uh, you know, the gift of healing, I think people that would know of my profession would say this is clearly where you love the community the most, and maybe it is, but I honestly don't see that as my my, my the, the prime gift that I have. I, I, I think service tends to be where I'm more aligned uh, myself, uh, which might maybe, I don't know, surprise people. But just like you said, you don't have to be a doctor. Like under no circumstances did James say that bring elders who are doctors to the person and anoint them with this oil, right? It's, it, you do not have to be a physician for this. I, I certainly, he has used me and played, played that role in my life but not necessarily the, the prime uh, gift that I see played out. That's not the prime manifestation of, of the spirit that I see. Um, but, but how I have certainly seen that training kind of connect with me is, um, <laughs> again, I connect so much more with God from what I get to see him do um, in my patients on a day-to-day basis. I think, um, like I've mentioned before, most physicians go the opposite. And I think a lot of that, if you, I think a lot of physicians and just lay people would say, if you're going to list the professions with a God complex, doctor would be towards the top of the list. Um, I think it's because we experience the healing daily, but we, we, we experience healing by something my hands did. And that we oftentimes therefore forget who made our hands and who made our minds and who brought us to this point. And so we can think less of God and more of ourselves um, because we get to see this healing occur. So how do I play this out daily is before every single shift, I, you know, I, I pray the exact same prayer and not in a ritualistic sense, but just this is what centers me. Um, this is a centering prayer for me, but I pray for wisdom to know what my patients need, knowledge to know how to give it to them, and then compassion to care to give it to them. And I think knowledge, that's, the, that's actually the easy one, right? Um, that's, yeah, I, I pray for knowledge, but if I forget the treatment for this disease, I can Google it really fast, right? Wisdom and compassion are really where I feel his presence, and that's where I get to experience his grace more than anything else. Um, discernment, uh, like we've said before, this is a uh, discernment of the patient with whatever complaint it's, it's actually they're just really there because they're terrified they're having a heart attack and their dad died of one and they're scared that they'll go to bed and not wake up in the morning and they just need to be reassured and consoled in that or um, that the belly pain the somatic pain that people feel is really not anything 
physiological, but it's all the stress of, you know, single mom with fighting with her mom and the bills not matching up and her ends not meeting. And it's just overwhelming and just chronically stressed and tired. And it's my job just to not prescribe a pill, but to sit and listen and just hold a hand, right? And so, um, and then I pray that compassion that uh, I don't look at my patients as you know, items on a list or numbers to be met or targets, you know, uh, or amounts of charts that I need to bill or any of the other um, productivity data that we are forced to kind of take stock of now, but to be present with the patient. When I find myself looking at the clock and a patient that's going on and on to stop and remind myself um, to stay present um, and to be with that person. And it sounds, that, that might sound terrible to, <laughs> to, to the public to can, that that's, you know, feelings and thoughts that we have, but I think that's true of anybody, right? When you're in a conversation and when you're with a person of not continuing to move on to the next thing, but to be present with them and to be present in that moment as Jesus was. Um, and so, so I've joked, but that's literally why I bring my Soma mug to work with me. So every drink I take, I can look at the, the mug and just think about Jesus. And it's just a, a way that I can kind of center myself. Um, and that's how I've seen my role as physician healer take part. Just part that's, it's a participating in the healing of, of the body, but oftentimes the spirit as well. But um, in even more of a concrete way, uh, I think a, a way that's oftentimes less thought of is um, just the path that led a medical provider to be with that specific encounter on that specific patient. So there's lots of times where I talk to Jen about my day and remark, you know, well, any doc would have, you know, caught that disease or done that or, you know, quote unquote, save that patient. But there certainly have been some times where I have come home and been so um, joyful and thankful uh, that if it was not me being on that shift in that room with that patient, they would have died. Um, and that's not um, a brag, like the Lord had me there. Um, I think anybody that knows me knows that I would not, I'm not saying that to puff up, but to say um, that the, the person experienced healing because I was there that day and I had been prepared for that day years before. And I think that's miraculous. Um, and I think that's oftentimes um, not really thought of, of uh, just the preparation that goes in, goes into this and just, especially when I look at my own journey of how I got to become a doctor and the, the road that I took, all the different off ramps that could have happened. And I was on the pathway to go down, but the Lord brought me back um, and has me practicing here right now. That's, that's not of me. It, it just too much to get into on a big podcast, but I mean, I know we have had those conversations. I was going down paths that would not have ended where I'm ended up right now. Um, and oh, but by the grace of God, am I here right now? And that's miraculous that the patient gets to experience that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't imagine that. I can't imagine seeing that and being a part of that day after day after day. And yet at the same time, you know, you've also been involved in the healing and, and experiencing the healing of other people that you weren't immediately treating, that you weren't bringing your medical skills to bear on their situation, but yet you pray, you know, and, and you believed God for their healing. And, and I think that, yeah, you know, this, it does speak to this idea, 
more than an idea, the reality that, you know, that, that God's spirit is bestowing these gifts of healings on his church in different ways, in different times, to different people, for different people. And I think that when we understand that and when we see that, I think it helps us as collectively as a body of Christ understand that this should be, that we should be actively seeking out the healing that God offers. I mentioned this earlier, but we need to believe that, that God can heal, that he does heal. And then I think maybe more than anything, we need to believe that God wants to heal. And I think that's a huge problem in our thinking. Um, again, because I, I think we, we want to protect God in those instances that the person we prayed for is not healed. I think we also just want to protect ourselves. And I think it's hard for us to be vulnerable and bring ourselves to the Lord and pray and pray and pray and believe for the healing of someone we love. And then to see that person not healed. I think we we're afraid that that will put us in a place where what we thought was true isn't really true. Yeah. But when we, we need, I mean, everything that we see from scripture is, oh, it's, it's overwhelming. God wants us to experience healing. God wants us to be whole people. And that includes our bodies. It's not just the, in the spiritual parts of who we are, but it's all of who we are. Um, and so, you know, I think that that, that is something, whether you're a, a physician who has been trained to step in and address an issue, to heal, to treat an issue, or whether that's someone who has no medical training at all, um, who WebMDs everything, <laughs> who has a problem putting a Band-Aid on straight. You know, we are called as God's people to believe that God wants to heal and to also believe that God hears our prayers for healing and and will work through those prayers for healing and and so you know as we as we bring this to a close um yeah pat, pat i just want to ask you this like you know what would be just as as a as someone who is in our our body who loves our body in so many different ways um what would be your encouragement as a professional healer what would be your encouragement to folks listening to this um, as far as our attitudes and actions related to the gifts of healings? Yeah, I think first, I mean, I think you summarized it perfectly in, in the bringing of it together. Um, to have a wider lens of what healing is and being thankful um, for the ways that it has already been brought out, right? In your spiritual or emotional sense. Um, certainly that you do not need to be a physician or a trained healer to en engage in this. And actually sometimes I think that brings hindrance to it, you know, from where, where I've read or, or heard sometimes in terms of praying for healing, sometimes they, they ask family members not to be 
in, engaged in it because those that are too close oftentimes are it's too raw and too real and there's just too much doubt that it's just not going to happen because we've been down this road before i think me as a physician as i you know really got to spend some time with the lord and think of my thoughts on this that's one of the realizations that i had uh personally that when i'm praying at work for people I think I pray with less faith and less boldness and more meekness when I'm at work for a specific situation than I would be um, for somebody in our church family. Cause I'm bringing these medical facts. I'm just like, yeah, but it's not going to happen. You know, like, look at all this stuff, God, you, it's not going to happen. Um, and so I think some of the takeaways would be um, be bold <laughs> to seek people out. I think time and time again, what healed people is, right? is what we see is faith. And so grab the people, like I'm wanting to me some Tony in my corner praying for me. Like I want them over me. I want people that are bold and, 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 and have no problem um, uh, believing that the healing will occur. Those are the people and to cast out really get rid of the people that, that don't like, right. And one of the stories you mentioned earlier, Jesus, you know, uh, when he goes to the ruler's house of the dead child, right? He kicks out the people that, that are, are jeering him and don't believe. So getting out the people that don't have faith and having faith and getting the people that do. Um, so to be bold, to know that God wants to heal, that he is healing, and that I would love to see this more uh, played out in my own life, um, to come alongside people in our church and really pray over them. Um, and, in, um, and in full faith, see healing and see the kingdom um, take place in some Northwest. I would love to see this happen more. Um, so yeah, my charge is seek me out. I will pray for you um, and get people that have faith that know Jehovah Rapha has been from the beginning and will into um, New Jerusalem. We must encourage those who are sick in our church to, to ask for healing yes. um, and to want to be healed. You know, Jesus asked that man <laughs> who was, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, laying, laying by the pool um, and uh, was unable to get there uh, because he, he was lame, you know, do you want to be healed? And I think that that's important. Like, you know, those of us who are sick, who are experiencing chronic illness, it is, it's not unspiritual to want to be healed. Yeah. We should want to be healed and we should ask others to pray for us and pray for our healing. And when we are asked, we must pray, you know, we must commit ourselves to pray individually and as, as, as a community, you know, as, as an elder, I want to invite people to come and to be anointed with oil and have mm -hmm. the elders pray over you. Like that is something, you know, as we mentioned, we see in James uh, and, and that's a practice that we want to make available um, and we want to, it to be something that the people know, hey, I, I can come and, and, and I can be anointed and I can pray, be prayed over for healing. We, we have to rejoice and celebrate when God does heal mm -hmm. um, and make space for that. You know, and I think that that's something, again, like that shows where our perspective is, because oftentimes when someone's healed, sometimes we we're I think we're, we're hesitant to give God the glory and the praise because it's like, well, was that really God or was that the medicine right. that got put right. on? Right. Uh, well, 
it's not either or. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So so let's rejoice when someone in our in our in our congregation is healed and experiences healing, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically. Let's let's celebrate and let's 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 thank God for that and rejoice in that. And in the same token, and let, let's grieve and and let's mourn appropriately when God chooses not to heal. When when people continue to suffer with chronic disease and illness, um, we should mourn, and that should grieve us when when those we love are taken away from us in death. Mm-hmm. Um, we should grieve and we should mourn. We shouldn't just give platitudes and trite answers, but we should really grieve and know that, like, yeah, this isn't the way God wants it to be, and. At the same time, we live with hope that it's not always going to be the case, um, that one day God's kingdom will come fully and his will uh, will be done to its fullest extent here on earth um, and that God will come to live with us and make all things new. So folks, we hope that this has been helpful and encouraging for you. Obviously, there's lots of different directions that we uh, could still go with this, but we hope that this has been a good perspective and and uh, and something special having Dr. Pat with us just to give a different voice um, and a different perspective on this. So Pat, thanks so much uh, for making some time. And I just wanna ask you, would you close our podcast in prayer and pray that these things would be true for us and that we would be a church that experiences the power of healing um, and that that in turn would show our world that we worship a God who has the power to heal. Yeah. Father, we thank you um, that you desire for us a good life, that you are a good father who wants the best for us. We thank you that you are a healer from the beginning of time from the moment that we stepped out and and changed the world, you have been working to make it new. We thank you that the newness is coming. We thank you that you break through on a daily basis and give us glimpses of restoration in the new bodies that are yet to come. We thank you that you are a God that is moved and a God that listens and a God that delights in his children. We pray that we as so Northwest can stand out in our society, in our city, that others look at us and say, I know God is there, or I know God loves me, because this community uh, bears out the manifestations of your spirit, God. That it is not of us, but it is solely of uh, us showing your love. So we pray for healing. We pray for just movement in our community in our church community to come forward and say, and, and, and to come before you healing author of life and just ask for, for blessings and healing. And we ask, um, yeah, we ask just for you to move as you always have. God, open our eyes to the ways that you um, want to use us. Open our minds to know that we do not need to be trained in order to have faith. And let us be bold and come in before you. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. Grace and peace.